Hello Fulhamish fans, Sammy here and a quick message from me before the podcast about Fulhamish itself and I really hope you'll give me a minute of your time just to discuss this. As you probably know, we've been making Fulhamish since 2016 and in that time we've grown to become one of the largest independent Fulham media outlets and we're really proud of the fact we have so many of you listening, reading and watching Fulhamish content on a weekly basis and I'm personally really proud of the fact that we're able to consistently deliver a high quality of product and I think this is something that the Fulham fan base needed and deserves more than ever before. Over that time, though, it does mean that our costs of making Fulhamish have gone up substantially. I won't bore you with what they are, but it's everything from audio equipment to website server costs. And our two sources of revenue up until now have been advertising and some of the money we make from selling merch. However, after the recent collapse of the advertising industry, which has significantly reduced what we get in, we'd like to add a third And to be honest, a little bit more dependable source of income, which is donations. Now, to do this, we have set up a page on a platform called Kofi, where if you want to and are able to, you can buy us a beer. Our belief is that we don't want to put any of our content behind a paywall. All our existing content will remain free to anyone. But this is a way for those who want to support us to be able to do so. So if you'd like to support Fulhamish, just go to ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Kofi is spelled K-O-F-I. And from there, you can buy us a beer or more than one beer if you're feeling particularly generous. A beer is the value of three pounds, which doesn't really buy you a beer in southwest London, but I'm not going to get technical here. You can either support us as a one off or you can do a regular monthly donation should you wish. We'll be able to offer supporters a few perks. Uh, which includes occasional nuggets of Fulhamish content gold, access to a backer-only Facebook group, regular updates from the Fulhamish team, and also a discount on any products in our merch store. So once again, to support us, please go to ko-fi.com forward slash Fulhamish. Uh, there's also a link on our website too. Thank you for listening. Time for the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and thank you for downloading this audio show as we career nearer and nearer to the beginning of the restart of the football season. It still sounds weird, but six days to go until Fulham play Brentford and we've got lots to discuss today. The fixture list has been revealed for the second time in a season. Did Fulham play a friendly? Who knows? And we've got a stack load of your questions to answer as well. Joining me on the podcast today is Fulham's chief design guru, Adam Vakwasen. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Sammy. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, the woman coming after Dan Roan's job at the speed of sound, it's Lydia Campbell. Oh, we won't like that. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. And the People's Professor, Ben Jarman. Bye-bye, geez. How's, how's your day been, Ben? Uh, good, I went out on my bike today. Um, ah. Got some, got some sun. As did I. Did you? Yeah, well, uh, you, I'm not saying you got me into this cycling lark, but I think you were a big influence <laughs> on me purchasing a bike during lockdown, and I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. I did a, I did a 10-mile cycle today up to uh, the bridge of the place in London near Fulham that I won't name on this podcast because people will get upset. Good man. I mean, I like to see you out there, and I'm glad I influenced you. Well, uh, loads to discuss today, everybody. Um, let's have a look first 
um, at the fixture list, which was revealed on Monday. And it turns out that Fulham are going to be the first championship game uh, to get underway. Saturday, 12.30 at the Cottage against Brentford. Then a week later, uh, we'll face Leeds United. And then three days after that, it's the small matter of a local derby against QPR. Two of them on the telly. Um, Ben, it was... uh, a pretty stark reminder of the fact that our running is very, very difficult. Yeah, these eight games to end the season are probably up there with the hardest eight games uh, that we've had all season. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of playoff contenders in there and a couple of local rivalries that add some serious spice into the mix. So it's going to be a tricky running for Fulham, I think, there. Um, a lot of incredible opponents. Uh, obviously, you've got Leeds in there, you've got Brentford. Uh, QPR um, and and it goes without saying that this is going to be a real test of our metal yeah I mean there's some real real tough fixtures in there you got uh, we've got to go to Forest um, and West Brom um, Sheffield Wednesday were having an amazing season until they had a kind of um, 2020 collapse but you know maybe the three month break may have uh, uh, given them a reprieve um, Adam what are your thoughts on some of these kickoff times I'm I'm a bit dubious about them we're facing Forest on a Tuesday at 5pm we're facing QPR at, at 6.30 it's going to be really weird watching a TV game on a Saturday at 3pm it's thrown up all sorts this fixture list I think it's going to be quite exciting though you know being the first game at 12.30 kicking off and just seeing how we get on but I think the ones I'm worried about are maybe one of the ones you alluded to the 5pm at Nottingham Forest I'm not sure how we're going to fare at that and then the 8pm away at the Hawthorns on a Tuesday night, I think that one might be a little bit difficult to come to terms with. But but more to the point, how are you going to like, if, I mean, 5pm, like, I know yeah. a lot of us are working from home these days, but it's going to be a little bit like cutting it fine to actually watch the damn game. I think I'm going to have Zoom on one side of the screen and Sky Sports on the other one for the Forest game. <laughs> and just hoping we get through okay. I imagine a lot of people will be in quite a similar uh, similar mode, maybe starting work half an hour earlier or something that day so they can just slide off at 5pm to watch what will be quite um, a big match. I mean, Lydia, what were your thoughts uh, when you saw the, the fixture list come out on Monday, apart from the, just it's unbelievably difficult? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that, that's the main thing, isn't it? I mean, we have what um, four of the top six, five of the top six to play in in about nine games. Um, I mean, but I think it, to be honest, just made me really excited, <laughs> but also made me think if we lose to Brentford, then all that excitement is going to disappear, and I'm going to go down a hill very fast. I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of a lot of expectation, isn't it? And I was thinking, I can't wait for football to return. And then literally losing one game, the first game, if it was like a 2-0 defeat or something and we played terribly, our automatic promotion chances are pretty much up the swanny with one game (laughs) in. And I'm like ah, oh, maybe football, uh, maybe I quite enjoyed life without it. I don't know. But then again, we could nick it 1-0 with a Tim Ream goal off his thigh in the 94th minute and I absolutely love it. So I guess either way, it, it, it's okay. I mean, the, the amount of games in such a short space of time though, Ben, we discussed it a little bit last week, 
But it, it's yeah. it's going to be kind of relentless. It's, it's going to feel a little bit like a summer tournament, a bit like the Euro is World <clears> Cup. <throat> and, and that goes without saying all the other games that are going to be on in La Liga, which has started this weekend, and the Premier League, of course, as well. Um, FA Cup's got to be fitted in there somewhere. They're, they're off to Portugal to play the Champions League. Not, Fulham with, notwithstanding, it, it's going to be a really surreal few months of football but I guess something to look forward to yeah I think this is something that a lot of people are gonna really relish uh, obviously like it's no real replacement for the Euros and nothing will be I met I'm as of right now I was meant to be in, in Bilbao for the Spain Sweden game that was meant to be on this coming Monday so for me it's kind of like a little bit of a of a, of a make weight in that there will be a, a summer of football the Champions League will be on in sort of like a weird group stage which would be excellent um, but I think on a on like a squad level, it's going to really test the 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 manager's thinking, especially like a rookie manager like Scott Parker, who's got a, a squad as as like deep in depth as we have. Uh, it's really going to be like, how does he manage that rotation? Who, what players is he prioritizing? How are we going to keep key players fit, and how are we going to keep those players that have fitness issues, you know, uh, around the edges of the squad? How are we going to keep them involved and happy? I think the, this sprint finish is going to be a massive test for a lot of clubs, whether they're at elite European level uh, or whether they're in the championship like we are. Yeah, I mean, Adam, we'll be able to use five substitutes. Um, and and someone posed the question, and I couldn't tell whether it was an advantage or not, but they were talking about um, Leeds and Bielsa and how um, Bielsa really pushes his squads to the limit. Fulham have quite a big squad and we're quite blessed in that way. And the fact that we'll be able to use five substitutes could be quite an advantage to us over teams like Leeds who have smaller squads. And obviously in Bielsa's case, that's deliberately so. In some other clubs' case in the championship, that's not so deliberate. It's just a case of their finances, but they don't have such big squads. Fulham really going to need to use that five substitutes to our advantage because if you looked at our bench sometimes this season every single player on that bench including Marcus Bessinelli was a very very good player at this level I think we've got a very strong squad uh, so I, we are only going to excel from having the five substitutes is my thinking plus there's also the way that we've seen Scott likes to uh, you know, mess around with his substitutions to the fact that he'll probably put five at the back at some point in every single game, but he could actually go five at the back and then switch it back if we ever had to. So that's what always been our problem is that we've sometimes gone five at the back. Maybe we've brought on Cyrus Christie, so we're playing him at right wing back, but we might actually, if we then do concede a goal, be able to bring on another attacker to actually switch it up for a second formation during a game as well. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how managers use this kind of extra advantage that they've got um, to them. Lydia, I noticed um, in the day job, you you you, pro you produced a report and you, you spoke to a, a few former players and you also spoke to a, a sports psychologist, obviously on the report classic you only see about 15 seconds of what they what they say but what, what was what i'd be interested to hear what that psychologist thought of how this the restart of the season is, is going to work and and who potentially has got the biggest advantage when it comes to this run-in with the, the the fixtures in such a short amount of time and, and kind of the lack of preparation time that all of the squads have really had to kind of get back into what's been based barely a pre-season 
Yeah, do you know, it was really interesting. If I could do a piece just on what he said, I, I could easily do one. Um, some really fascinating um, stuff in there. And what one of the things that, that he, he said to me, and he described this as an experiment, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, it, it is essentially an experiment. We, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, and then the other thing that, that of note that, that, that I found very interesting was that he he seemed to think that this is going to advantage some teams more that, that, than others. If you look at a team who are absolutely flying, I mean, that, that word momentum is used so much in sport, isn't it? If you look at Leeds United, what have they won, like five, six, six on the bounce? The, the break for them was probably the worst thing to ever happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they, they certainly haven't won the league yet. Like, absolutely not. Um, but they have stopped in the real, this purple patch. Um, and I think that could potentially massively knock them off. Now, who knows? It might re- re- rejuvenate them in that they'll have had a, a little bit of a rest. But I think that Bielsa side will possibly, from the you know the top sort of six, it will hit, hinder them the most. Whereas the rest of us, to be honest, we're, all, we're in a bit of dodgy form. Um, Brentford, they won their last game 5-0. So you might think they were in great form, but they weren't. Hadn't won in five before that. Um, I think I think the main thing that when I spoke to, to Jeremy Snape was that form is not going to be a factor. Form has disappeared. We may as well just you know not even use it as as um, something to, to to talk about anymore because no club is going to be on any sort of form whatsoever. And can you really get into form in nine games? I I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I guess maybe by the end of the the eight nine games, you may be able to talk about a little bit of form, but it's going to be about as pointless as when and we are as guilty as this as many places when people talk about uh, a poor record at such and such a ground, and you're like, well, we haven't played there for six years, so it doesn't affect any of these players. But okay, cool, yeah, we've got a poor form at uh, Elland Road or Old Trafford or whatever. But yeah, Liz, I'd be interested to know what your thinking is with Fulham's squad depth and whether they it could be an advantage to us. If you take the game um, that we did, I just picked a random game recently that Fulham played. Well, I say recently, it was in February. But anyway, um, you look at our bench that day, it was be- it was against Derby. Bettinelli, Christie, Sessegnon, McDonald, Cabano, Cavaliero, Kamara. I mean, they are, for me, seven players that would maybe not walk into every club in the, in the top half of the championship, but they'd certainly be welcomed into any team in the top half of the championship. If Scott is able to use five of those in a match, I mean, we could see substitutes coming in after 25, 30 minutes. Uh, Scott's just, Scott's could try three or four formations in one game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. We, we seem to have probably one of the best squad depths in the championship, I would say. And that's not based on the amount of players. It's based on the quality of those players. As you say, these are players who have been around the block um, in the championship and, and maybe lower Premier League as well. Um, and, and I think that we also don't have that many kids um, which while we like having a lot of kids in the squad kind of freshes them up it'll be the young players who will suffer from lockdown the most 
because all they've known is, is is football. They haven't really had a chance to, you know, maybe have families yet, and uh, maybe buy their own houses, that, that kind of thing. So lockdown will have been a real shock to the system for them. Whereas some of the older players who we have, like you know Kevin McDonald, um, um, Ivan Cavallero, they, they, these are players who are that little bit older and who will maybe have appreciated that that actual time off uh, to have with their families. And I think that kind of fresh feeling is going to be more beneficial to the more experienced players than it is the, the some of the younger boys. So potentially that alongside the fact we just have some real quality and experienced players in there in the bench um, could, could be a, a, a real factor for us. Okay, well, moving on from the fixture list, and I guess there is only so much that we can talk about it, and um, we'll we'll have a bit more of a Brentford preview uh, coming up on Thursday. Uh, We're going to have a Brentford fan on, and hopefully by then we'll know a little bit more in the way of team news. Um, But... I wanted to talk about one of the bigger issues this week regarding Fulham and it was the season ticket information um, which was finally kind of revealed and we talked a bit about it last week but we were really guessing we got we recorded on the Sunday and then classic Fulham released the information that we wanted to talk about um, on the Monday and all to do with rebates of, of season tickets and stuff and well I thought it was a particularly interesting offer that they made so if you don't know, um, the different options were um, access to watch the nine remaining league games home and away on FFC TV. Uh, you could get credit towards next season, a refund on the remaining games or a donation to the Fulham FC Foundation. Now, um, if if you're still mulling it over which option to decide, I think you have until Monday at 5 p.m. to decide the um the club extended the deadline. Um, I heard reports that only 20% of people of season ticket holders had given an option, although I must admit I haven't had that really verified um, by by anyone. It's just a rumour that I've seen going around. Um, Adam, what were your thoughts on it as a season ticket holder? I didn't really know what to make of it. I was maybe a little bit disappointed that there wasn't something that combined a bit of money back or some credit with access to watch the matches. And it felt like a lot of us have had to do get the get the get the calculator out and try and work out what is best financially considering so many games are going to be on Sky. Well what were your thoughts when when you saw this come come out? I agree with you there. My my first um, thought when I actually read it was I would probably, you know, I want to watch the games. You know, that's my uh, first forefront thought is I want to watch all the games that Fulham have got to play. So I was thinking at that option and I was thinking I might just go ahead. And then I actually worked out how much I was probably due back from the club. Uh, Started looking, you know, as you say, getting the calculator out, looking at (laughs) now TV subscriptions, everything else we've got and thinking I can probably watch, you know, at least four of the games on Sky. Plus, obviously, they've announced the Nottingham Forest game as well. Then I was thinking, how am I going to be able to approach this with the club? And I think where they probably missed out, in my opinion, was actually the frequently asked questions part that came a little bit later. So I think they released that one on either the Tuesday or the Wednesday, saying it will definitely be available at £10 a game from FFC TV. I was then able to you know, complete my calculations. Ultimately, uh, myself and my dad went for a refund um, because we'll be able to watch it uh, mostly on Sky and within the same household in the garden. Um, and we kind of sort it out that way. Um, but I do think, as you say, a combined approach of being able to say, I am a season ticket holder, can I get a reduced price? 
on FFC TV for some of these games would have been a preferred approach there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm loath to be massively critical when I've seen some other clubs' approaches to this. Uh, for instance, um, I, I noticed that for Blackburn and Millwall, at least, there was absolutely no refund option um, yeah. to, to supporters. But then I, I saw what Leeds United did, which was access to the matches. I think it was like £50 credits um, in their store and, and other kind of perks as well to season ticket holders. And, and among must admit, I did think that that option was was a little bit more um, inventive. But it is good news that we will be able to watch all of the games on the FFC TV. But maybe Fulham are just a bit of a specialist case because it does seem that so many of our games are going to be covered on yeah. on Sky. And that Now TV option particularly is, is quite appealing financially. Don't get me wrong. A lot of clubs also, obviously outside of our league, but I know some that have approached this in a really, really bad way. Uh, necessarily one of my friends is a season ticket holder at West Ham and he got an email from the club um, that basically said um, you know if you do nothing you get um, this towards next season season ticket but if you actually want a refund for the games you have to call up the ticket office and no one was really able to get through to the ticket office from what he was saying Mm. so a lot of other clubs have approached this in a lot worse way than Fulham have. Yeah, fair enough. And I, and I guess if if you sit in the middle of it, of it, it's it's not too bad. Ben, I know you're not a season ticket holder this year, but but what yeah. what were your thoughts when you saw it when you saw it come out? I think that there was a good variety, but I think that as you as you rightly say, there are a few things that the club could have done a little bit better. I feel like um, if there was maybe some rewarding of for those that are either partly refunding or. Or are going to take a, a package for FFC TV. One of my friends is a Luton Town season ticket holder. Um, they have basically given an option for like full refund. Um, some of the package goes through the iFollow player, um, which I believe Luton Town used to, to broadcast their games. And then there's also an option where you can take like a sort of part refund and you also get your name on the shirt for next season. So there's like a thousand or so names, I think, currently that will be featuring our Luton Town's uh, shirt from next season, both home and away. So it's sort of like having a brick outside the Emirates or, you know, uh, on one of your, on one of the stadiums, but you get your name on the shirt, which I think is quite cool. I think also one of the things that sort of benefits Fulham here is that because they own their own video platform, they can basically make the rules uh, and provide competitive packages, which is why they're able to offer single games for £10 rather than having that I follow, um, which sort of restricts them a little bit. Yeah, indeed. And Lydia, again, not a season ticket holder. Um, how, how are you going to try and watch the games? Are you also going to do a mixture of, of Sky and FFC TV? Because as a non-season ticket holder, that would be pretty expensive if you were to try and watch all the games through the official club. That would cost you, well, £90. as nine games times 10. Quick maths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean that's that was impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's that's that, that's exactly it. I mean, I'm trying to weigh things up at the minute. I obviously um, through my TV package, I already get BT Sports, but obviously that doesn't show any championship games. Um, but 
I also like to watch an awful lot of football. So mm. I, I think that I'm going to possibly do a mixture of uh, maybe Now TV or something like that alongside um, the games that just watching through through Fulham. But I think the advantage is that, you know, I'll maybe go halfers or something with my dad. I don't know. Um, you know, you can watch it on two devices and it means he can watch the Sky games from home and I can watch them over here. Um, but to be honest, the whole thing just confused me. I guess the difficulty really has been the fact that there hasn't been very long to submit what your preference is and um, I, I wonder if that's partially down to the EFL as much as anything but clearly you know, there's a lot of fans who haven't really ha- had a, an awful lot of time to actually submit what they want and I imagine there will be thousands who actually don't get round to sorting it and are just ended up with uh, FFC TV at least I guess they can watch the games um, rather than um, not be have any access to them and have to pay through the nose but yeah interesting one and and i guess it it will be tricky but if you are listening 5 p.m on monday is your deadline and do check out the fulham supporters trust website there's a massive faq that they did with them on wednesday and if you kind of have any questions it will probably be in that faq because they took loads of questions from fans put them to the club um stuck them up on their website it was good work by the fst and of course uh, always do give them um your support if you absolutely can okay um lastly before we we take a little bit of a break i want to chat about friendlies but there are no friendlies to chat about. I noticed that there's been plenty of clubs playing each other. Um, Probably the most notable result that I've seen was Brentford um, giving Arsenal a little bit of a tonking at the Emirates, but doesn't look like Fulham, as far as we can see, have officially played any friendlies. I've seen reports of two potential friendlies, um, one against Brighton, which Brighton fans are claiming were one, they won three nil. And then there was supposedly um, a, a friendly against Charlton on Saturday. Neither has been released by the club. So there's not really an awful lot to talk about, Ben. No, there isn't. I'm kind of puzzled as to why Fulham would keep that sort of thing under wraps. Um, you know, it's good. To, I think it would be beneficial for the fan base to understand, you know, who who's being featured in the squad and, and where and what the what the preparation for the squad is rather than coming in almost cold in the in the next few days, you know. I think from from a personal point of view it would have been would have been nice to see if we're doing anything different, it would be nice to see some highlights. It's nice to see like who's who's fit and who isn't. Um, you know, who's going to come in and hit the ground running, really. Um, and for us to be sort of not really given any details is, I think, a, a little bit of an error, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I guess that there could be rele- uh, information released early next week about what happened. I guess it doesn't need to be um, instant. I mean, Adam, um, I saw a few highlights of the Brentford game they played against Arsenal and um, they looked pretty good. And I, I know that Billy from Besotted listens to this podcast because um, he is he is actually a secret Fulham fan and he's obsessed with us. So I know that um, <laughs> this will be really straight. Yeah, we literally do just live there and we don't pay a penny. Um, but Adam, they did look quite good. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's one of those things though. You have to you have to take all these results with a pinch of salt. And ultimately, if uh, we've seen what it's been like with preseason friendlies in the past, if somebody released that you know Fulham lost seven nil, we'd all be going into meltdown right now, which is exactly what we don't need. So there is also the fact that maybe not releasing these results is quite good for us because then we can actually just approach the season completely afresh without being worried about uh, whether you won in a behind closed doors friendly at the Emirates. I'd rather be in meltdown than lockdown. <laughs> 
Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I'd take anything over over lockdown right now. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather be stressing about the fact we lost 4-0 to Stuttgart away or something <laughs> like that than uh, stuck in my house. But anyway, we'll take a little bit of a break there because after the break, we've got a load of questions to get through. Welcome to part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Lydia Campbell. Hello. Ben Jarman. Hello, hello. And Adam Carson. Evening. Um, I'd be interested to know, um, have you got any special at-home setup ready um, for, for the start of the season? Um, Lydia, I, don't, I, I noticed that you sent a photo to the group um, and you, you had a Fulham shirt on just for the podcast. So I can only imagine um, what the gaff's going to look like for the first game. I mean, is it going to be flags everywhere? I feel like maybe on, on the Fulhamish Twitter or something, we should try and see what the kind of at-home setup is for, for people watching that first game because obviously for lots of us we'd be in the ground but we're not we're at home so maybe we need to, to deck out the, the living rooms in, in Fulham clobber sure it does actually work because my living room is red and white um, not intentionally like it was like that when I moved in but I, sure. I think it, it, it kind of works but having said that my TV did break about two weeks ago and in anticipation for the season starting back, I treated myself to um, a 54-inch flat screen, Ooh. 4K TV, purely for the football. So I'm very excited about that. Wow. Well, uh, anyone that lives in the uh, Manchester Salford area um, <laughs> that's a Fulham fan, get round to Lydia's. You're probably able to see it from the other side of Manchester yeah. if it's 54 inches. <laughs> Okay, so um, loads of questions came in um, on on Twitter. So I thought I'd get through a few of them before the end of the podcast. Start off with Reese Daly. And he asked, does the future of Alexander Mitrovic depend on how the season ends? And it's an interesting and potentially sad question in the sense that this could be Mitrovic's last nine games for us, Ben, um, which is which is a depressing thought because if it doesn't go correctly, I, I, I really can't see him staying another season in the championship. Yeah, it's a really depressing thought for us. Um, and I think, yeah, like if, the, if those nine games don't go as we want them to, we don't end up back in the Premier League, then I think that ultimately, and if we're all being realistic about this, we know Mitrovic loves the club, we know everything about that but he is going to go um, if you're in in the form that he's in both at international level and club level of course you're going to take the option to go on to potentially a new league or a new team um, obviously there's been talk of teams uh, around about Europa League places wanting to take him um, and I think if you're Mitrovic you're still 25 years old you have your your future ahead of you um, I think you probably take it Um I, I think if we're all realistic with ourselves as well, I, I mean, I'd love him to stay. He's definitely my favourite player at the club, but I, I can't see him staying past August if that if if we don't reach where we want to be. But also, it's a great time for us to, to cash in. Uh, the only thing is that the market may slightly drop in the fact that COVID has affected so many teams' finances. Yeah, indeed. Adam, um, does the thought of only having nine games left to, to see Mitrovic and the fact that you may never see him in the flesh again, um, is, is that upsetting? I mean, I hadn't really considered about the flesh pit, but other than that, yeah, it's pretty concerning. But 
the other thing is we, we could always get playoffs so we get an extra three games out of him. Yeah. Um, I think that's the only way that we're probably going to see him for any longer here uh, because I wouldn't blame him if he was to go because, you know, the fact that he stayed with us in the championship is already a surprise to many fans. Um, you know, Tony Khan did a great job of actually managing to keep him at the club. Um, but I think you'd have to do an incredible job to be able to keep him past this season. The only thing that could, you know, on the flip side, keep him here is we know that uh, players do get very settled with their families uh, around, you know, this area as well. So that might actually have an impact on it as well. If he's been in lockdown around here, maybe he's got to uh, love South West London that little bit more to stick around. Um I mean, Lydia, Brett Pund has, has asked a, a question on a similar line, uh, which says, with a shortened transfer window coming, will that help Fulham keep the likes of Mitro and TC, regardless of promotion or not? I mean, in theory, that does sound feasible. I guess at the moment, we don't exactly know how long the transfer window is going to be because I don't think anyone's even thought about the 2021 season just yet, have they? Yeah, I mean, in theory... It helps us because there's less time for our clubs to do business. But let's be honest, we're in the same boat as every other club around um, around Europe, really. Um, so in theory, every club is going to know this and clubs are maybe going to try and force through transfers. Um, to be honest, it, it depends who we're doing the business with and and, and state of, of the mind of the player at the time. I, I, I don't know. It could, it could be helpful but because we're all in the same boat, I'm not really sure how much of a difference it'll make unless the whole market basically closes down. OK, well, moving on to James Dawson's question. He says, nine games, how many points will we get? What will the target be? Um we're six points behind West Brom and seven points behind Leeds. I mean, surely if we're going for top two and, and like the club still say it's their ambition, you almost need the full 27. I, I mean, you surely we can't even afford to drop much more than three or four points. If we have any ambition of, of getting the top two, um, Ben, Ben, what are your thoughts on how many we'll need to get? And obviously then how many we will get? Well, we need to get as many uh, as, as possible, as you rightly said, but the, the key game is going to be against Leeds. Um, if we manage to take three points off Leeds, the gap closes quite significantly. Um, and we need to be able to put as much pressure on them as possible. Um, the mental side of Leeds always worries me. We've done it to them once before. And we can do it to them again, where we close a, a, a bigger gap and, and eventually surpass them. I think the key run of games is going to be those ones that we look at and immediately think, yeah, they're, beat, they're beatable. So QPR, Birmingham, Nottingham Forest, Cardiff, get like games you have to be realistic looking at getting sort of nine to 12 points out of those to stand any real chance of ending up where we want to be as Lids alluded to earlier form is 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 not a factor anymore there is no form um these guys haven't been playing for for three months home and away form is going to go out the out the window as well we've seen in the other massive leagues across Europe you know the there is no trend towards home teams there is no trend to away teams there there is no certainty about this this is a, a period of unknown but i think that if if we if we hover around about maybe like 18 20, 18 points i think that's a good return for us I mean, 18 points probably isn't getting us top two, though, is it? That's probably just cementing ourselves in the top part of the playoffs, realistically. Unless, obviously, Leeds yeah. and West Brom fall apart and 
I guess that's not out of the realms of possibility either because it's such a weird situation. Yeah, I mean, like 18 to 21, I think it's probably going to be what we're aiming for. Um, and if we take points off Leeds, that tally looks all, all the better. Yeah, I guess that's the difference in, in this, isn't it? If we didn't have to play Leeds and West Brom, then we might be then we you know might be chasing a winning team. But those games mm. against them are literal six pointers and and can turn this around. And suddenly, three points to chase on on Leeds and West Brom is not quite so intimidating a gap, is there? And and yeah, and, and we can we can settle that early doors. Adam, what's your prediction of of how many points out of twenty seven you think we'll get? I, I think we'll get around 21, as you say, the 18 to 21 mark. I think we'll probably end up losing a game that we didn't expect to lose. Uh, that sounds a lot more Fulhamish to me. Um, but I think it's really important for the squad not to get too down. If they lose one game, they've still got X amount of points to fight for. Um, as you say, if it's a mini tournament you're, and we're not treating it as a knockout tournament, we need to keep focus for the rest of the games after that. So I'd aim for you know full 27 points. But if you do get a knockback, um, we shouldn't be too disheartened from that. Uh, and Lids, your prediction? Yeah, I mean it's so hard. <laughs> I think I think if we got about twenty-one points, I'd be I'd be thrilled to be honest. Um, I think it's all going to depend on those two massive games right at the very beginning, um, Brentford and Leeds. If we lose both of those, you know, I, I think we'll fall apart. <laughs> um, but you know, we just we I think start start well and then um, take take it from there really. Okay, right, moving on for a couple more questions. Um, This one from Gary C, certainly not something that I'd really considered, but he said, given the potential collapse of the transfer market this summer, what would you do with Seri and Anguissa? I mean, for me, Anguissa, come back, please, um, with open arms, straight into our midfield. It would be absolutely dreamy. Seri, I'm not so sure. Um, Adam, what would be your potential solution to this? I mean, I know that clubs are going to have a little less money and it's going to be a tight transfer window, but, you know, there's still going to be big clubs that need good players and maybe even more so after this period where we've we've had players with inactivity. I, I don't see it just being a, a complete celibate summer of no transfers. I, th- I think it's also about a relative value, right? If you can get some money for them, maybe players will be slightly cheaper for us to actually go and buy with some of that money. So the availability of funds is always important. Uh, I think starting with Seri, um, he's not necessarily set the world on fire. At Galatasaray, yeah, uh, I was looking at some who scored ratings. He had a 6.7 average rating, one goal and two assists in 19 games. Uh, it's not necessarily the form that saw us buy him. Um, I wasn't impressed enough with him in the Premier League to actually think even if we went up, he would fit into our squad. Um, so I'd probably um, rate him as a sell. On the point of Anguisa, if we're promoted, put him straight back into our team. I can see exactly where he'd fit in there. He did an amazing job uh, in the league when he did play um, at his best, which obviously was few and far between. We didn't see enough of it. Um, but since he's actually um, moved to Villarreal, um, he's had four man of the match awards um, and average, you know, 7.5 rating. And he started yesterday in a 1-0 win over Celta Vigo. So I actually think that we've got a good reason to actually try and reintegrate him into the squad. I mean, Ben, there was some talk about Anguissa going to Real Madrid and that seemed very on the cards for for a couple of months. But reportedly that interest from Real Madrid in Anguissa has has gone dry now and, and that he's no longer a, a target um, for Los Blancos. <laughs> yeah, they, they've gone a little bit quiet on him. I think if you're if you're Madrid, your your priorities probably lie elsewhere at this present moment. I think when they were looking at Anguissa, they were floundering a little. Um, 
Zidane's second reign wasn't really getting off to the start that everyone thought it was going to. And they did look really, really shaky, especially in the middle. They had a very soft underbelly for, for quite a, a big portion of the season. And Anguissa has really taken um, playing at Villarreal in his stride. And, and Thomas McElroy, who I think listens to his podcast, who works for Villarreal, is a Fulham fan. And um, he's been raving about Anguissa all season, saying he's been playing exceptionally well. And when I've seen him play... You know, I I can't disagree with Thomas. I think he's had a he's had a great season for Villarreal in a in a team that always over overperforms, and is one of the most well run clubs in Spain. So, I think going back to the original question, it, it all depends on the position of the team. If we're if we're up in the Premier League, then of course um, you put Anguissa straight back into the lineup, and and he's one of them players that I think, although divided the opinion, I think he's one of them players that you you will build around because he's young enough. Um, he's shown great calibre um, in Spain and I think that he will adapt well to the Premier League we saw in, in flashes towards the end of, la- of the season we got relegated so yeah I think he's someone you build around if we're not up he immediately becomes an asset that you look to cash in on so you can you can build more depth or you, you get a couple more strike, striking options in or you fill gaps at right and left back and, and that sort of thing. So I think it depends entirely on position. Regardless of Premier League or, or Championship, I think you probably can't run with Seri. It hasn't worked out. And although I'm a big admirer of his, I just don't think it works for us. Um, on, on another note, Ben, obviously La Liga has returned this weekend and I imagine you have di- uh, divulged in a lot of it. Um, yes. What has been your thoughts on how they've returned? Have they done anything uh, massively different to, to, to Germany? Anything that you would see that they've done in Spain and, and recommend um, to, to the Premier League and the Championship when it, when it comes back um, next week? I mean, to be honest, uh, the... the what they've done, um, the chairman of the league is one of those guys that were almost from the outset of coronavirus was adamant that La Liga would return. Um, and they've basically followed the same guidelines as Germany has been at the forefront of bringing football back. They've they've maintained social distancing. The, the stadiums are empty. The players are being tested multiple times per week. Those that are being found to be positive for coronavirus are isolating as per governmental guidelines i think despite having one of the highest death tolls in europe spain have actually came out come out uh, and and their easing of lockdown has been has been fairly well managed um obviously for a country that relies nearly entirely on on tourism um some of the measures they're putting in place especially along the coastal towns and resorts and madrid and barcelona have been very commonsensical um so yeah i think spain have done quite well yeah, fair enough. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how uh, it all kind of pans out in the English game. And I think that will be a lot of what we talk about this time next week is just the experience of watching it behind closed doors. I'd be fascinated to know what they're doing, particularly at a ground like Craven Cottage, which is going to be so hard to kind of do social distancing. I mean, I've never been in the changing rooms at Craven Cottage, but I know they're, they're small. Tiny. And they're tiny. How are you going to do two yeah. metres social distancing in there? I guess the, the advantage is, is you can use areas of the stand and I wouldn't be surprised if there's big areas of like the Putney stand particularly maybe yeah. even the the Johnny Haynes which may be converted into kind of player facilities because of course you don't have to worry about so, fans one thing that I wouldn't be surprised if is if they switch the dugout from one side to the other because I, there won't be enough room to socially distance in the, the dugout we've currently got on the Riverside mm. stand so I reckon either the players will be sat 
in the Johnny Haynes on those tiny seats, or they will move, they will construct something behind the current dugout. It be it will be quite interesting to see what they say. One thing I forgot to mention about Spain is that they are broadcasting all of the games free to air in nursing homes, care homes, and retirement homes across the country where people can't visit them, so they don't get lonely, which is quite a nice touch. That was a very, very nice touch. I mean, Lydia, what what are your thoughts on how football will look like on Saturday? It's, it is going to be odd, and and particularly at Fulham, there's, there's massive challenges to try and keep two metres apart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be really difficult. I think... I think some clubs are going to find it easier that, than others. But I also think that, you know, all of football look to the Bundesliga, first of all, to kind of learn. Um, and I think that we'll be, have been quite glad, or the football authorities anyway, will have been quite glad of ha- being able to do that. Um, I can tell a difference now if I watch the Bundesliga today as whenever I watched it in the, you know, in the first week, you know, I, um, whenever that was a wee, a wee while back um, as you say Craven Cottage is small it's going to be really difficult Luton Town don't know how they're going to do it there's so many of these small clubs um, size wise I mean um, to you know there's just going to be so, so many challenges there but what I do think is that we have to just sort of trust that that we're, that we're you know We've put in the conditions in place that that um, that is going to keep players as safe as safe as possible. I think you know there is going to be that challenge, and players are going to have to try and put it out, out of their minds. It's only time will tell if we actually get it right. All right. Well, I think that should do for uh, Fulhamish today. Uh, a little bit more of a preview of the season in general, and hopefully um, with a bit more info um, at our disposal with uh, the fixture list and what happens with the season tickets, uh, we've been able to discuss that. From Thursday, we are fully into football preview mode, so we're going to look ahead to that Brentford game. Hopefully, we'll have a bit more kind of team news by then, um, and we're going to be chatting probably to one of the lads from Besotted. It's probably going to be Billy the Bee but I don't know at this stage Um, but definitely we'll uh, have as good a preview as possible for that Uh, and then this time next week we'll be looking back at the Brentford game and I just think there's going to be so much to talk about. There's going to be the game, but also there's going to be the surroundings, the atmosphere, what they've done at the cottage. Um, I think we're not going to be stuck uh, stuck for things to discuss next week at all. All there's left to say is thank you to my guest today, Lydia Campbell. Thank you very much. Adam for Carson. Cheers, Sammy. And Ben Jarman. Thank you, host Sammy James. Uh, no worries. Um, by the way, if you are looking for a slightly different podcast to listen to, a bit of a comedy one, uh, please do check out my podcast, which has uh, just started in the last few weeks. It's called My Brother's Funnier Than Me. It's with my brother. Uh, I think you'll like it. Ben, you've had a listen, haven't you? I have had a listen, yeah. It was it was a, a great listen while I was uh, making some dinner, so I had lots of laughs in it. And your brother is just... He's someone that I could listen to for hours and hours and hours and not get bored. He is exceptionally funny, man. All right, thank you very much. Your check is in the post. All right, uh, have a good week and we'll see you on Thursday for that Brentford preview. Take care, you whites. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend.
this spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, a podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A-cast, 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 A-cast recommends. recommends.